0: hello and welcome to the moonshots podcast it's episode 237 i'm your co-host mike parsons and as always i'm joined by the man himself mr mark Pearson freeland good morning mark
1: hey good morning mike good morning members listeners viewers and Moonshots family members, boy, Mike. Maybe I say this every time, <laughs> but I really, really mean it this time. We have in store for us an not only crucial conversation, but a very valuable and essential conversation for, in, for us in store today, don't we?
0: We certainly do, mate. It's a it's a conversation worth having. And it's really been this whole series, hasn't it? What we've really kind of been able to do together is. Work on being aware of emotions that much like in our search for happiness that we discovered in our series with all those amazing authors on the art of happiness, we learned that Mm -hmm. emotional intelligence is something you can work on and it has a huge effect on your professional and personal lives. And then we went to one of our absolute superstars, Brene Brown, and the act of being vulnerable truly ends up being the greatest courage that you can have, the greatest form of leadership that you can have. So now that we've got the emotional intelligence and the vulnerability, we're ready to have those crucial conversations. I'm so excited uh, to wrap up this series with what I think is going to be another powerhouse of a book to study, to share and learn together. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Mike, if, if you and I aren't getting
1: our members, listeners and viewers excited, there's a great line from the foreword for the book, which is written by none other than Stephen Covey, who obviously did Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He says that crucial conversations draws our attention to those defining moments that literally shape our lives, relationships and our world. So conversations, again, Mike, maybe we've said this um, a few times within our series on relationships. But this concept around how you strategize and approach conversations is something that, again, I don't think I ever really got
0: the memo of when I was growing up. <laughs> and, it's like, it's and instead, it's like we spend our yeah. whole life on this show picking up all the things that we never got <laughs> taught at school and university, right? Like all these yeah. things, like crucial conversations.
1: That's it. But there's so much value that I think we can unlock within this book yeah. that helps us all really be able to again like you've said with the happiness series, learn that it is something that can be controlled by us mm. as long as we take that ownership. Yeah. And I think it all starts with just getting into the book and understanding, you know, exactly what is what is this and how do we do it better.
0: Yeah. And what I propose to to you, our members, viewers and listeners, that if you are seeing sort of a gap uh, in the way you work with others. If you feel that, you know how we are tempted to think, hey, I'm working real hard here, but I'm not really getting from my peers, colleagues, friends, partners, what I need. I thought we were working on this, but I didn't get it. If you have any of these missing pieces in your collaboration, then this book and this episode, the Moonshots podcast is for you because invariably we have this illusion that communication, that conversation actually transpired. We have this fake illusion that we're all on the same page. And the reality is we have to fill that gap constantly. We have to keep on mm-hmm. talking, keep on connecting, keep on communicating so that we are always On the same page that we don't become adrift. So, if you experience any of those challenges in working with others, living with others, crucial conversations in this episode is for you, Mark. I'm ready. Let's jump in.
1: Look, as you said, Mike, crucial conversations can happen anytime, anywhere around the globe to any of us. So, why don't we hear from one of the authors, Joseph Granny, who's going to kick off the show by breaking down
2: a great example of what a crucial conversation might actually entail. How can you create safety? Let me just share one life-saving experience that I had to illustrate this point in conclusion. I found myself a few years back in an airport in Bangladesh. I had just finished a week's worth of work and I arrived at the airport and my heart sunk. The airport was crammed with people. Obviously the computers had broken down and so people were being managed manually and the line was moving slowly and I start to worry, am I going to make my flight? I got in the back of the line and start shuffling forward. And about an hour into it, I'm starting to get hopeful. And this woman comes across the lobby with a cart covered with luggage and pushes her way in line a few people ahead of me. She didn't know who she was messing with. <laughs> and it wasn't me. Because while I was feeling irritated, the guy she cut right in front of went ballistic. He went bananas. He said, You get out of line. And she said, no, no, I have to get in line. I've got to make this flight because my kids are going to be at the airport. Please, please. And he says, you get out of line. And he pushes the cart. And she digs in and pushes back. And he digs in and pushes back. And pretty soon it's escalating. And finally, he pushes the cart aside. He doubles up his fist. And he's about to haul off and punch her. I'm standing about five people back in line. And I think to myself, I've got nothing better to do. I think I'll get involved. (laughs) Well, I was seized with such a panic that all I could think to do was go position myself between him and her. Bad idea. (laughs) The first thing I saw on his face was this look of confusion, but then it was this white hot rage. His eyes are bugging out of his head, his fist doubles up even more. What story is he telling himself about me? (laughs) Now I'm the great Satan, I'm the evil guy. So his eyes are bugging, he's balled up, and is this a crucial confrontation? My question to you is this, what would you say first? (laughs) You don't have much time. What are the first words out of your mouth gonna be? This is no different than when you need to confront a physician in a fast paced, tight time frame, urgent need. What would you say first? Here's what I said. That was unfair for her to cut in front of you. She shouldn't have done that. You've been standing here in line for over an hour, as have I and she cuts right in line in front of you and that's unfair. She shouldn't be able to do that. And I'm gonna help you solve the problem. We're gonna get somebody from the airport over here and we're gonna work this out and it's gonna be okay. You see what I just did? All I did was create safety. The first thing you have to do to help somebody feel psychologically safe is make absolutely sure that they know two things. Number one, that you care about their problem. And number two, that you care about them. When they know that from you, they'll let you say anything that you need to say. They will, including a doctor who you need to challenge about a diagnosis or a peer. If they feel safe, they'll listen. They may not agree with you, but they're going to listen. And that's our chance. An amazing thing happened when I said that to him. His hand went down. His face turned back to a normal kind of expression. His eyes got smaller. You see what just happened? He's now safe. And then i said and you don't get to hit her i'm not going to let you punch her but we're going to solve the problem and you know what he was okay with that he was all right with it because he felt safe oh mark this takes me
0: like hurtling back to the work of patrick lencioni and he said, yes. if you want to have a great team, it starts with trust and trust is built through that mm-hmm. safety. It's like the authors of Crucial Conversations spent like a like a lifetime with Patrick Lencioni. And, and it reminds me again of the themes that we keep discovering here on the Moonshots podcast. There is such a playbook to being the best version of yourself. And for me, this one, you could say it's the empathy It's Mm. the vulnerability that we've learned from Brené. It's the emotional intelligence we learned at the beginning of this series. Or it's Mm. this form of servant leadership, not being the first to speak, listening, observing, cooling your jets a little bit, you know, avoiding being too judgmental of others. That takes me all the way to the likes of Eckhart Tolle, Dan Millman, Mm. you know, the way of the peaceful warrior. What I'm reminded of here is that so much of the craziness around us is caused because people aren't having the conversations, people aren't feeling that safety, so they're in that, that fight or flight, which, you know, on a very personal level, we all, this is again another big topic that we come into, is we all experience self-doubt, like that real fear of uncertainty, uh, fear of failure. We all experience these things. And what's so very powerful is if you take a moment, if you take a moment to care about those around you, they'll care about you. And that's the start to not only being the best version of yourself, but to getting teams performing well. And uh, although this may have sounded uh, a very simple summary, the 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 challenge all comes in the doing, doesn't it, Mark? Is intervening yeah. and and actually having the conversation.
1: Look, it, it reminds me of one of the key lessons we learned from Michael Bunga, Stanier, around active listening. Yeah, you know, we, you've got to be able to. I, I think this is obviously a, a much more explicit theme. You know, the idea of conversations; it's very proactive and encouraging. But I think there's a foundational lesson that we learned from Bungai Stania, which is to function well in a conversation, to really give it the due diligence that I think the authors of Crucial Conversations are encouraging us to
0: mm. do. Mm.
1: Start by being able to put yourself on a, a, a familiar tier or the same tier as the individual that you want to talk to or collaborate with. I think that was a real lesson that we learned from Bunga stanya around not just listening because we know we have to and waiting for our turn. Instead, being able to absorb, listen, learn from others, then allows us to have better conversations yes. because we're able to sympathize, yes. we're able to fully understand and therefore it's more likely that the other person will understand us Mm. because we've been able to listen to them. Mm. So it really is, it really is the case, Mike. I think particularly over the past few months, we seem to have evolved around these similar themes, which is all about, you know, good collaboration comes from being on the same page as others, listening to conversations and so
0: on. Yeah. And to frame why it gets so hard, I love this graphic you've got up here because it's basically like when the stakes get high, you often have opposing mm-hmm. opinions. And that third piece there, and there come the strong emotions. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's so funny. Like we're so quick in that emotional intensity, like it's a big project, it's a big moment, or it's a big time in your personal relationships, or it's a big moment in the family. doesn't matter when the stakes are high, people have different ideas on how it could be resolved or how we go forward. Mm-hmm. This creates strong emotions. And it's in that, that strong emotion that we, I mean, that story that we heard in the clip, like a man was going to Literally, he was threatening to punch a woman in the line at the airport. I mean, that is just bonkers, right? But the thing is, this is Mm -hmm. what happens when we allow that irrationality of emotion because of this system of high stakes, high emotion, we get carried away. And it's so funny because this is what you see in high pressure moments in sport. You know, when you see... It's a really tense moment. Let's say it's in the fourth quarter and there's only a few key plays left. And under that pressure, mm. players sometimes, because it's high stakes, high emotions, they do things and everyone's like, that was so stupid, right? <laughs> yeah. So the classic thing, like if you, if you were to use um, something that you see a lot in sports in those dying moments, someone commits a foul that sort of mm. loses the game for the team, right? And it's not mm. that their intentions were wrong. It's just that the emotions overwhelmed them and they got too carried away. They maybe tackled too hard, gave away a penalty and therefore a chance to win or, or equalize the game is then gone. And all the fans are like going crazy. But the reality was that the athlete was just too caught up in the emotion because mm. the stakes were very high. It's We mm. see this in life all the time that because of a high stake thing at work, people are the first thing people are doing at work is they're like, if it's high stakes, high visibility project, if it doesn't go well, they're directly thinking it's going to affect on them. So the fight or flight response that's uh, getting emanated is, Oh, I don't want to take the blame or it wasn't my fault because what they're doing is they're protecting themselves. And so that, Correct. That's where you see that lack of accountability in an organization because no one wants to take the blame because they've got strong emotions because the stakes are high. Mark, Mm. the need for crucial conversations, whether it's at home or in the office or anywhere in between on the sports field, it's so essential because if you can cool your jets, much like we saw in that clip, You don't have to be throwing Hail Mary punches. You don't have to be. (laughs) We can de-escalate things and have Mm -hmm. crucial conversations. And I think that's the huge opportunity, not only in this book and in this series. And i tell you what, Mark, I think our members love these crucial conversations.
1: You know what, Mike? I think you're probably correct. I think the only build we can do there is I think that they love to have conversations by being part of the Moonshot membership. And as usual, for those who listen in, we like to uh, acknowledge, respect, and call out all of our members. Who join in every single week, Mark? So Mark please, Mark, as Mark, always. Mark,
0: it's, it's not just acknowledgement. I just think you love playing the trumpet. I think the, I think we have to. Oh, I it. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. And you
1: know what, Mike? It's time that we have a crucial conversation about this. Oh, about because the my, yeah, because my emotions are so strong towards <laughs> it, um, and and it is high stakes. But, and but I think you and I have uh, the same opinion. We're both. In utmost respect. And we're both in awe of the amazing sound that I can make. Which is all about welcoming Bob, Marjolin, Ken, Dietmar, Marjan, Connor, Rodrigo and Lisa, Sid, Mr. Bonjour, Paul and Burke, Calman, Joe, Christian and Samuela. Barbara, Andre, Eric and Chris, Deborah, Lasse, Steve and Craig, Daniel, Andrew, Ravi, Evert, Karen and Raul, all of whom are our annual members. Thank you so much, guys, as always. Hot on those heels include PJ, Nikawara, Ola, Ingram, Dirk, Emily, Harry, Karthik, Venkata, and Marco. Jet, Roger, Anna, Raw, Nimelen, Diana, Christoph, and Denise. Laura, Smitty, Corey, Bertram, Daniela, Mike, Dan, and Antonio. Vanessa, Zachary, Brian, Katty, Austin, and our brand new member, Freddie. So thank you guys so much for joining us week in, week out, for having those conversations, not only with each other, but with us as well by supporting Moonshot's show.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you for being part of this and learning out loud together. Um, And today we're learning out loud together. It's all about conversations. And Mark, this next clip, it's all about how we get them started.
1: Yeah, that's correct, Mike. As you were saying a minute ago, it's all around this idea of intentions, uh, understanding about emotions and keeping them in control. So let's hear from another one of the authors of Crucial Conversations, this time Emily Gregory, who's going to share a tip on how we can start these types of crucial conversations.
3: Have you ever been nervous to have a crucial conversation, feeling kind of anxious because you know you need to go talk to someone about something and you're just not really sure how to say it. You don't want it to blow up in your face. You don't want them to get defensive or angry or sad. And you're thinking, how do I do this? Well, here's my tip say that start the conversation with that come to the conversation and say hey I have something really important to talk about and honestly I'm pretty worried about it because I care about you and I care about this and I'm not sure I know how to do it in a way that's going to be safe for everyone so can you help me with that because I really want this to go well Being transparent, being vulnerable about, I don't know how to have this conversation, but I want to, that is one of the most powerful ways you can communicate a good intent. Creating safety for yourself and others to to stumble through a conversation. If people know that your intent is good, if people know that your intent is to have a conversation in a way that works for them, they will allow you a lot of fumbles. I've said some pretty stupid things in conversations, and thankfully, the other person has given me a pass because they knew that I was trying and that I cared about them. So that's my tip. When you're feeling nervous, anxious, and worried about having a conversation, start the conversation with, "I'm feeling worried and nervous and anxious about this because it matters. And so do
0: you know Mark, the um, the reason I think we don't want to, it's not natural or it's mm-hmm. not common to start with how you feel is because it's perceived as being weak or yeah. unprofessional or lacking in confidence in a personal situation. Why? Do you, what? How do you see it like when you've had to do those? Why do you think, I mean, I've certainly done it as well where I've not been transparent about how I feel. And I think it's because of those reasons where you feel reluctant to actually show that card, don't we?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's it's it's similar insight to where Brené was taking us in the power of vulnerability. This idea of welcoming and embracing as well as accepting that vulnerability really is blocked by the idea that we have to put on this brave face, this maybe stiff upper lip, as, as maybe it was once called, in order to prove to the world that, hey, I'm okay. Mm. Yeah, I'm good. Because mm. if I talk about it, um, if I admit it to myself, maybe it becomes a big problem. Maybe the insecurity that I have, maybe the frustrations are good enough, just being swept under the rug. Mm. And I think that's what a lot of us do. Certainly I did throughout the beginning of my career, just very much putting on that brave face, trying to power through. Because, again, the assumption I had was, well, everybody's going through this. right? And I think that's true. I think there will be many, many similarities that a lot of us have had through different steps of life and career progressions and so on. Mm-hmm. But I think the difference for some of us, and particularly calling out from you know the likes of Brené, as well as the authors of Crucial Conversations, is that it can be so much quicker to make relationships, to make connections with people by being a little bit more open. And instead of having that you know, stiff up a lip or or mentality around powering through just getting on with it, it does create borders and barriers between people because then you're less likely to share those insecurities, share those vulnerabilities. And like we have heard throughout the relationship series, it's all about being transparent with others. Yes. So that you can make those conversations happen much, much quicker.
0: And you know, the funny thing is I think in order for us to almost workshop this together, you and I, with all of our listeners, members, and viewers, I would almost say the process we have to go through to start this habit of having crucial conversations, I I think the place to begin is number one, everybody experiences discomfort, self-doubt, fear of failure. Every single person on this planet experiences it. And just to remind everybody, nobody is perfect. Einstein was slow to talk. Steve Jobs got fired from his own company. Like, yeah, I could just go on and on. There's so many great people. Walt Disney got fired for a lack of imagination, if you can believe that. (laughs) uh, No, I, I always remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. So so if you take a step back okay no one's perfect everyone experiences doubt fear and uncertainty and that's okay mm. now the next step that we're learning in this show is you can share that you are feeling that because what greater connection like imagine mm. two people on a date and each of them admit that they're a bit nervous well, that's like meeting in the middle, right? What, what a what a mm-hmm. genuine act of, hey, I'm a bit nervous, yes, yeah, so am I? Or if you're having a tough conversation like, hey, I really respect you. I see that you've got great intentions. I re- I'm really unsure how to address this, but we've got to tackle this thing around our project or whatever it is. Like the more you spend building a bridge with empathy and understanding to me is, is just, I mean, it's so much more efficient than getting upset, blame or judgment or anger. They're all, they all cost you so much energy (laughs) and yeah, energy, time, money. Right. And those emotions also, they always seem to come back and get you. So like you can be, angry or frustrated about something and then you'll be working out or cooking dinner and then that emotion comes back cuz you think about it again you know like oh my gosh get out of my head get out of my heart i don't <laughs> want you right that's what happens mm. with those those negative emotions so i believe that this idea of finding a way to give authentic voice um, to how you're feeling Probably is the greatest efficiency creator because if you and I were in a tough conversation and I started with, hey, I'm unsure or I'm nervous about this conversation and you're probably feeling the same and we both kind of admit that, that almost to a lesser degree, but still the same thing like that Um Clip about the uh the line at the airport. It really just takes oh, yeah. the emotion and the crazy out of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then it kind yeah. of just enables us to talk as two humans who've both got good intentions and recalibrating and getting back on the same page. Um I know. Man, man, this is good stuff. It's it's so
1: valuable, isn't it? Exactly to your point, if we want to put a practicality lens on this, having those crucial conversations and being open to having them and cultivating that level of security and safety that comes from having empathy with each other, taking the time, you know, not only to get to know each other for sure, but also being able to share concerns and anxieties much more openly really does lead to a higher level of efficiency and effectiveness within a team. Yeah. And that team could be a relationship like a spouse couple as well as as a as a as a work one, career one. And I think that's really already making the case Mike that if we're able just to have a little bit of patience, that little bit of awareness around our own reactions so that when somebody is telling us a story or trying to have a conversation, yeah, we don't immediately Shut down, I mean, there were certain times for me, you know before we've you know really opened up about c- conversations and so on, where you know i I'd be in an awkward situation or conversation and feel very hot or or fluttered, you know very uncomfortable physically, yeah, yeah, of course, and I think just having that curiosity has really helped me, mm. you know if there's moments when I'll be receiving let's say it's a bit of feedback or something's come over the table. That you know makes me feel a bit oh this is this is a funny feeling yeah. I feel a bit, a bit uncomfortable sick or yeah. hot yeah. yeah and it's so fun to then be curious about that and I think that's really where you know a lot of these lessons that we've learned more recently on the on the Moonshot Show then come into play yeah because you start to appreciate hey conversations they yeah. make me uncomfortable why yeah. is that let's now figure this out get a little bit better at it yeah and therefore become more efficient, effective, and, and be that better version. It's it's a plethora of tips and tricks that we're already learning on this, aren't we?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, the um, I think the big takeout from that previous clip is find a way of being candid and frank mm. about how you're feeling in crucial conversations. I'm feeling excited because... I'm feeling uncertain because I'm not really sure if I can say this in the right way. So I want you to give me a chance here to really try and communicate, but be a little forgiving. Maybe I can't quite find the words or Mm. maybe I'm feeling apprehensive about this conversation because we're in a really tough place, you know? And, you know, also, you know, coming out of the bat straight away and acknowledging effort an attitude from others, even if the outcome is not there. Like, I think this is such a healthy way to start conversations. And um, look, I think for all of our members, listeners, and viewers, if they want to keep the conversation going with us, the first place they can start is a very famous little place called moonshots.io. What might they find That's at, right. at this salubrious address? Well, you know what they
1: are going to find? Lots and lots of items and topics and themes that would then inform these valuable conversations that we can have with each other. So members, listeners, viewers, pop along to moonshots.io. You can check out all 237 of our Moonshots podcast shows. You get transcripts, you get frameworks, you get reading lists. As well as that, you also can check out previews and trailers for our 26, I think it is, Mike, I've lost count, of our Moonshots Master Series as well. You can check out our upcoming shows. You can check out all archival footage and clips that we've got. But also, Mike, you can become a member. Just click on the top banner right on the homepage, and it's as easy as that to become a part of the Moonshots membership family.
0: Yes, and part two, once you've done your moonshots.io, part two is about tuning in to the rest of this episode because we've talked about like this crucial thing of acknowledging where the other person is at, how to start the conversation. And now it's time for us to really discuss how to keep the conversation going.
1: That's right. And who better than one of our moonshots favorites productivity game is going to do just that for us.
4: A crucial conversation is a critical confrontation that needs to be handled with care. Examples include calling a client who hasn't paid an overdue invoice, or walking into your boss's office to talk about a promotion he promised you but hasn't delivered on yet, or confronting a lazy teammate who isn't doing his share of the project, or talking to your sibling about your parents' inheritance. Navigating a crucial conversation is like diffusing a bomb. Touch the wrong button or hit the wrong wire and you set off an explosion of emotion. The best way to avoid an emotional explosion and prevent a conversation from going silent or verbally violent is to keep the dialogue going. If there's dialogue, then there's a chance you can work through whatever issue is at the heart of the conversation. In the book Crucial Conversations, I've discovered a tool set that you and I can use to diffuse the tension during a crucial conversation and get back to productive dialogue. Everybody walks into crucial conversations with a story. That story might be, my teammate doesn't care about my project because he doesn't come to my meetings, or my boss doesn't care about my career because he hasn't given me a promotion yet. If you approach a crucial conversation with a story and a conclusion already in mind, there's no room for dialogue because your mind's already made up. For there to be any hope for productive dialogue, you must assume that you don't know the full story and you need the help of the person you're talking to to get a complete picture. A great way to communicate this is to replay the situation as you saw it by using a when I invite. As in, when this happened and that happened, I felt like this and jumped to this conclusion. If you need to confront a teammate who's not doing his fair share of work on a team project, use the when I framework by saying, when you don't show up to team meetings and don't deliver work to your teammates on time, I fear you don't care about this project and aren't putting in the same effort as your teammates. Then after your when I, Invite them to share their story by saying something like, I'm probably not seeing the whole picture. Can you help me see what's going on? You could use this when I invite to confront a client who hasn't paid you for weeks by saying, when I fail to see a payment from you for several weeks and don't get a response to my emails, I worry that you'll never pay me. Then quickly invite them to share their story by saying something like, can you help me understand what's happening on your end? When you use a when I invite, you're not being passive or aggressive. You're being assertive with the facts and honestly sharing your experience. Chances are the person you're confronting will be less inclined to defend their character more inclined to clarify the situation. But sometimes you can do everything right at the beginning of a crucial conversation and the conversation will still turn into a heated argument. And that's because the person you're talking to sees you as an opponent, as an enemy they must defeat to get their way. To avoid a yelling match and get back to productive dialogue, You must convince the person you're talking to that you're not their opponent, you're not their enemy. You're actually on the same side. To do this, you need to find and communicate a common goal, value, or purpose. If a crucial conversation with a teammate is not going well, remind him that you both want to enjoy working together and you want the project to go well because you both want your year-end bonuses. If a conversation with your spouse isn't going well, pause and say, there's no need to fight. You and I both love this family, and we both want what's best for this family. When you find common ground, you'll realize that you and your conversation partner simply have conflicting strategies to achieve the same ultimate goal. Once you identify and communicate that ultimate goal, your conversation transforms from a fight to more like a strategy brainstorming session.
0: Uh, Mark, this is gold isn't it it's just so that's good. a good one right that's that's <laughs> really good i mean this comes back to that theme that we've been touching upon like in the end of the day 99 mm. percent of the people around you will have really good intentions right yeah and it's their failure to execute it so the common ground that we can always find is that we both are striving for the same thing and it mm. it reminds me of when, you know, let's take uh, football fans. When their team's not doing well, you know, fans can be just so critical of the players and the coaches. But think about it like this, Mark. Do you really think any single player or coach who's in a team that's not winning very much, do you really think Hmm. they go out there with the idea that they want to lose? (laughs) <laughs> I, I I find it so hard to believe, right which makes
1: me then think everybody on that pitch is trying to do the same thing so why get why do fans get so frustrated when it doesn't happen because we know that they were working towards the same goal
0: but it's interesting right because they can be frustrated and express that, but then they get judgmental and angry and vindictive, yeah. and actually it's just a little microcosm of what we all do in teams, in working relationships. But the point is this, and I'm using sports to kind of abstract that there, it's just this normal pattern that we see everywhere. Every single person by and far most of the time and most players when they go out there, they're endeavoring to win the game and to win the championship. So Mm. if you're a fan and you're booing in the in the stands, if you're shouting and getting angry, I just want you to imagine you want them to win, and so do the players yeah. and coaches because they're giving up <laughs> their lives to do this, so they want to yeah. win too. And as soon as you do that, I think it is almost impossible to hold on to that anger because you're like, oh, man, because yeah. here's what I do, Mark imagine how it feels for them they're not just the fan they're the player and yeah, they're not performing exactly. and everybody else is seeing that
1: yeah it it really speaks to me this idea of emotions rather than um oh sorry the idea of letting our emotions play in too much mm. versus that reminder that acknowledgement of the intentionality that other people have We heard from Productivity Game in that clip just then, talk to your spouse around the fact that you both want your family to succeed. Talk to your team mate because you both want your, maybe it's a year-end bonus, maybe it's just the success of a project. Exactly like the analogy you're making, Mike, with regards to the sports team. I think at the end of the day, we are all striving to be not only the best version of ourselves but also trying to just do our jobs trying to work hard on being good collaborators in whatever fashion that might be and i think you're right isn't it a relief to know that we don't have to work with people who are intentionally sabotaging right the situation and instead yeah it just happens that that's the way it's gone that's right. suddenly that takes a lot of pressure off the situation there's no need to get frustrated with somebody because that hasn't necessarily happened. Instead, let's bring it down, have yep. a conversation. Maybe they need help. Maybe the individual, your teammate, needs a little bit of assistance. Maybe there's too much weight for them to carry, but there's no way for them to communicate it because maybe they don't know how. Yeah. So it comes into some of those lessons that we learned again from yeah, as well as even Brené with the power of vulnerability, just to... Absorb and hear others help them kind of come out as well. If you think that you're in more of a, let's call it um, a confident or or aware position.
0: Yes. And I'll give you another argument on why we should be like that. Again, I'm going to use the sports (laughs) analogy here. Okay. How many times have we seen some player in a sports team not performing, gets transferred to another team, another environment, and does really well? Yes. Yeah. And we were looking at that player in the previous team going, oh my gosh, they can't do anything. Then, in a different environment, they thrive and do well, which tells us something like that athlete had potential, is capable of playing really well. So, to blame them is really unfair when it was only the environment around them of which they weren't controlling. So, in the same way, that helps us have empathy for, well, if things are not working with, people involved in our personal or professional lives, bridge the gap, share how you feel, have those crucial conversations, because invariably the common ground is going to be everyone's got the same intention or goal and we're just disconnected on the execution. And sometimes we can be aligned on execution, but we don't realize there are other factors affecting how they achieve their goals, that once we become aware of them, then we might be able to help and solve those and actually create better conversation, better results, better outcomes at home or in the office, right? I mean, talk about a value
1: proposition, Mike. (laughs) That idea of alignment. Imagine the relief that you would feel knowing that everybody is working towards the same common goal. Yes, And when you have to go and have that conversation with your spouse, your colleague, you know that half the job's already done. You yeah. know that you're already on the same page. Yes. So now it's just about refining that alignment to make sure yes. that you both reach the end goal. What
0: it a is, relief. Oh, it's, it's relieving. But from that relief, yeah. I think we have to do something. I think there's the last job to be done, which is mm. we've all got to own this. Number one, acknowledge how you're feeling learn to and find the courage to share how you're feeling, to have those conversations, to keep the conversations going. Sometimes, you know how you're like, oh gosh, why do I always have to like start the conversation? Why do I have to put my foot forward? Do it, own it, pay it forward, show the initiative because it is all fundamentally about if you continue to do that where you're aware of it. I'm guaranteeing you there'll be other parts of your life where other people are saying the same about you because mm-hmm. <laughs> we know we're yeah. not perfect, right? So this is the <laughs> opportunity. Pay it for, Give your best to be vulnerable, to listen to your emotions, to keep the conversations mm-hmm. going. This is what we've got to own. And what the most beautiful thing is, Mark, this last clip that we've got is all about owning it.
1: That's right. We've got one more clip to close out our show today on Crucial Conversations. We're actually going to hear from another one of the authors, Mike, Ron McMillan, who's going to give us advice
5: on how to take crucial accountability. Here's my advice. When a significant gap occurs between what you expected and what you're getting, you've got to have a crucial confrontation. If a significant gap exists above the line, people are outperforming expectations, never let that gap pass without acknowledging it and thanking the person. If someone significantly outperforms expectations, never let that gap pass without acknowledging it and thanking the person. Bill, I heard on Friday, you got your work done, then you chipped in and helped Fred and Sally and the whole team finished up without any overtime. Fantastic, that helps the team, helps me, helps the company, well done. Never let that gap pass. Similarly, never let a significant gap below the line occur. When you expect one thing, you're getting something that disappoints you. Never let that gap pass without confronting it. A crucial confrontation. Don't go silent, don't confront it with violence. Be respectful be thoughtful, be conscious, work on solving problems and improving relationships. Do that. You'll get significant breakthroughs in performance at a team level, at a relationship level, at a leadership level.
0: Oh, man, he just brought it home right there. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. the one thing we haven't talked about that he mentioned is we've kind of focused on when expectations aren't being met. Mm. but he mentions above expectations, doesn't he? Yeah, I I like that. I jotted that down as well. This acknowledgement
1: is so important here, isn't it? And again, it speaks back to, I think, what we heard in the first clip around safety. So if you're able to cultivate not only a relationship or a dialogue with employees, colleagues, that maybe has a tinge of feedback, maybe it's constructive, maybe it's a little bit, you know, you pull your socks up, direct it's also doing it from a positive perspective because mike as we've spoken about on the show before sometimes it's really hard to take a moment and pause when a project or a campaign or a bit of great work has been complete And 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 the reason why we don't get to acknowledge a lot of the time is because you're too busy trying to move on and i think what we're hearing here again is reinforcing this requirement or this desire that we should have to acknowledge those moments because it creates that, I think, safety. I think you're going to cultivate that um, environment where the next time you need to give something maybe a little bit more negative, maybe a little bit more direct. Again, with the lessons that we're learning today, that's perhaps on the criticism side of of the brief. When you've actually already positively reinforced them previously, it's going to be a lot easier for them to absorb your feedback because they've gone through it already in a positive way as well as negative. So I think, again, when we think about this effectiveness, the efficiency act really comes down to playing the um, conversation on both sides, doesn't it? Put it into practice in a positive light because then you give it gravitas in the negative light as well. Yes.
0: Yeah. And I think um, the aha moment I'm having is like, um, maybe I take it for granted when people do great work around me or above mm-hmm. expectation. Um, what a great opportunity to kind of reflect on that, and maybe I need to be going out yeah, and giving a whole lot more praise. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's similar
1: to what we've really heard from that be- uh, the beginning of the show, isn't it? If you can manage those emotions and those behaviours, that then enable you to um you know be more patient i think at the same time we should manage our emotions and behaviors so that instead of moving straight on to the next thing when we do complete something positively having that discipline to say oh actually you know what let's hit pause hey so and so you did a great job here let's try and reward this or acknowledge it and again it just comes down to discipline doesn't it yeah making sure we are We know that it's gonna lead to positive behaviors from the team or your spouse or whoever it might be. And it's all about just being diligent, being disciplined, sticking to it so that we know, and I think we really made the case today, that these crucial conversations as well as confrontations they live and die on just how much you are willing to invest from a time and energy perspective, right? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, even though it's uncomfortable, you just got to break through. So we've done a bit of a masterclass, Mark. What's what's on the homework <laughs> agenda for you? What do you? What's your big takeout?
1: Well, you know what? T- today was a, was a really interesting one with all four areas really sparking me to write down and note a lot of the different um, elements that I want to try and Replicate, but actually, I, I'm I'm going to stick with the final clip we heard from Ron. There, mm. this idea of celebrating as well as uh, providing perhaps more negative feedback, because I think there's always times, there's always more times in our agendas where we're able to celebrate than perhaps we do.
0: Yeah. Um. What about you, Mike? I'm on exactly the same page, Mark. We are we are singing yeah. the 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 same song. We are having. A crucial conversation, and in the spirit of the book, I want to say thank you for such a great show. Thank you for helping pull it together. I really appreciate your contribution. So thank you to you, Mark, and thank you to you, our listeners, viewers, and members, because today, show two hundred and thirty-seven of the Moonshots podcast was about the great work, the book. Crucial Conversations. And it started, of course, naturally, in an airport in Bangladesh. But then we moved on (laughs) on how to start a crucial conversation and how to keep one going. And we brought it home with crucial accountability, owning it putting your best step forward to be vulnerable to be transparent to build those relationships and connections so you can go out in the world and be the best version of yourself and you can do that right here on the moonshots podcast where we learn out loud together all
5: right that's a wrap